Dipper and Mabel sought the summer with their uncle be a bummer till they found a bummer to the found a little town called Gravelfall, where things are not always what they appear to be at first glance. Monsters hiding amongst the trees, secret counts and conspiracies. They say it's just superstition, or is it a premonition? Before summer turns to fall, it's time to answer mysteries. Go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast. Spooktober edition! Discuss the movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all. All manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Callie Hannah. With me, of course, is my co-host Brian Becker. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great because guess what? The Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. I don't know how. I don't know <laughs> in what way. I don't know when it's going to happen. Probably in February when it always happens. But we just won a game. We're undefeated, five to nothing, and it was fluky divine intervention bullshit. <laughs> So what that means is that it is the will of the football gods that the Eagles will host host the Lombardi Trophy in February. And if I am wrong, you have permission to burn me on a stake as a false prophet. Um, but anyway, besides that, I'm doing pretty good, you know. Okay. And today we're talking about a very interesting and very unique uh, television show with two seasons uh, that is set in the Pacific Northwest. And is about a mysterious town where cosmic horror stuff happens. I'm of course referring to Twin Peaks. Welcome to Enter and the Nerdy. Right, Cal? Oh, no, silly, Brian. Twin Peaks had three seasons. It had two seasons and two movies. Because season three was technically. The Return is not a movie! At the end, it says a film by David Lynch. (laughs) No! No, we are not having this conversation! Cayenne Cinema is wrong! Uh, but if we're not talking about Twin Peaks, then what are we talking about? <laughs> we... I had all this stuff ready to talk about Twin Peaks, and this totally wasn't a cold open joke that I cooked up. What are we going to do now? What we are actually talking about, we are talking about, in celebration of this show's 10th anniversary and the spooktacular time of October. Spooky, we are talking scary, about skeletons the skeletons and shivers, and shivers down, down, your, down spine. your spine. Today we are talking about Gravity Falls, oh. the wonderful beloved Disney series created by Alex Hirsch, specifically for our Gravitober celebration, specifically mm. today. We are talking about the first 10 episodes, the first half of season one. You know, where it all started 10 years ago. We are old. Mm-hmm. We are old, Brian. I'm not old. <laughs> I'm young as hell. I'm going to live forever. Honestly, I'm immortal. <laughs> anyway, today we're talking about Gravity Falls, which is uh, the story of one Dipper and one Mabel Pines showing up to a crypt cryptozoologist mystery shack owned by their grunkle stan and uh it turns out there are actually a lot of cryptozoological and weird mysterious activities happening so yeah yes and we of course are only talking about the first 10 episodes in this episode and we'll talk about the next 10 episodes in the next episode 
and we'll play it by ear from there. Right, Callie? Continue. <laughs> yes. All right. So we should probably start with the very first episode, Tourist Trapped. Now, I get it. <laughs> in Tourist Trapped, this one is directed by John Aoshima, written by Alex Hirsch, and premiered June 15th, 2012, production code 107 to 3.4, million viewers wow people used to watch cable that's crazy Um, well yeah because this was the era when you know kids networks in particular weren't being completely dogpiled by streaming services and youtube you know so they still had a chance (laughs) so the summary of tourist trapped is dipper and mabel pine arrive in the remote town of gravity falls oregon to live with their great uncle stan a huckster over the summer at his tourist trap the mystery shack Although the S uh, eventually gets destroyed, it becomes the mystery hack. And uh, Dipper begins (laughs) to discover the town's paranormal side when he discovers a mysterious book detailing strange occurrences that may have happened in Gravity Falls. And when he suspects that Mabel's new boyfriend might be a zombie, he takes action to try and stop that. Turns out, there are actually a bunch of gnomes that need to marry someone for their gnome queen thing. So... He and Mabel end up breaking that up because no way is Mabel going to be turned into the obligatory queen of the gnomes. So that's the first episode. And uh, I thought that Taurus Trapped was a great episode overall. I really enjoyed how it introduced the characters. Overall, I think it's not as good as some of the other episodes. I did enjoy the gnomes that were all in a uh, trench coat looking like a man that's a zombie. I thought that was a fun gag, considering, you know, like, the different people in a trench coat joke. And, uh, yeah. Overall, <laughs> I thought this was a great episode. I love Grunkle Stan, Mabel, and Dipper Pines. They're very fun. They have a lot of great comedy. And I think it's overall just a great pilot episode. So now we take it over to our resident gnome hater, Callie. Callie, tell us, why would you want all gnomes killed in the name of well, Order? I don't necessarily want all gnomes killed, but I, I okay. do believe that you shouldn't force, that gnomes shouldn't try to force people to be their queen. That seems like it's bad, actually. Mm. Um, so I I thought Taurus Trapped was a great episode and a great introduction to the series. I, I want to mention um, that, uh, you know, normally we uh, we like to go over storyboarders as well, but uh, They're not uh, listed. Brian does not have the Wikipedia. Yeah. Brian is only going off of the Wikipedia page They're because not they are a listed. hack. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not a hack. I, I deal with what I have, Callie, all right? But if you go, but I will, I, I do want to at least point out that one of the storyboarders on this episode was none other than Matt Braley, the creator who went on to create Amphibia. This was where, this was where he got his start. Um, so I, and I thought that was fun. And yes, it, I would give this one four out of five frogs. <laughs> Definitely. Anyways, so um, as for the episode itself, there was uh, there's a lot to enjoy. It does a really good job of introducing the characters of you know Dipper and Mabel and Grunkle Stan, uh, the as well as the the workers of the mystery Seuss. Seuss and Seuss. What's up, dude? We're gonna we're gonna get more into Seuss later. I do love Seuss, and as well as Wendy. Um, uh, she is there. Um, Wendy's not really a big part of the early episodes. Yeah, that's true. She becomes a more important character later on into season one. 
Yes, I would say so. She has some semi-prominent roles, but you all might as well start keeping a tally of how many times I reference the uh, Blu-ray commentary track, um, because mm. that's going to come up a lot. Because okay. I, I rewatched this specifically through the Complete Series box set, which is great. And if you don't have it, you should get it. Um, and get it while you can, because they're because it's going out of print in March. So, like, buy it. Didn't it's Shout great. Factory do that? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, it is a it is a great set. Um so um in the commentary tracks, one thing that frequently comes up is that uh her Alex Hirsch and his team had always wanted to crack it a Wendy episode mm-hmm. but could never quite do it because they couldn't figure out how to give her a conflict without making her not as cool. Yeah. Like that's that's her thing. The interesting bit of trivia. Anyways, um on the series itself. Um, anyways, so this is, of course, um, you know, in this first episode, Dipper, you know, finds, you know, Dipper goes out into the woods and he finds the, the you know, the journal, the, the journal that will become the staple of the series. It's six fingered hand with the number three on it. Yep. Journal three, very iconic book design and iconic book. I own the real version of ah. the book. Well, again, with the, with the very special books, that's actually itself a reference to Twin Peaks because when Twin Peaks was coming out, uh, the creator co-creator Mark Frost would release these books about the secret history of Twin Peaks and the secret diary of Laura Palmer. And they detailed a lot of things that were like deep cryptid lore in Twin Peaks. And the book showing up in Gravity Falls reminds me quite a bit of that sort of extra television show element of Twin Peaks. Yeah. There Which is, is of course, another mystery uh, show def- set in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. T- yeah. Alex Hirsch has talked about that there is a, a Twin Peaks influence, although though very speci- although more directly, um, he said that the show is kind of a combination of, like, The Simpsons and this, like, old kid show called eerie indiana that i don't know if it's like available to stream or anywhere but it mm. existed and alex Hirsch watched it as a child um interesting so so w- overall what did you think of taurus trapped as an episode anyways so other things i enjoyed in this episode mm-hmm. um so you know i i love the joke about the you know he's reading the journal and then stan comes and is like oh i was just l- l- catching up on Gold change for Old Men magazine? That's a good issue. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of really funny jokes in the show. That's yeah, what the... really struck me when I rewatched these 10 episodes, is how consistently funny the show is. Yes, 100%. You know, there's the, there's the great gag with the leaf blower mm-hmm. um, that Mabel uses for kissing practice. Um, apparently, the reason she says smooch spark is because SNP was not happy about the word hickey. So they had to make up Smooch Park, even though it's basically the, the same thing. Anyways. Um, Who is SNP, the Scottish National Party? Uh, no, uh, uh, Standards and Practices. Ah, the stupid. Disney Standards and Bullshit. Practices. Bullshit. Okay, Park. gotcha. Can we, can, you know, can we have a conversation about a, about a Disney property that doesn't end with you having to just... <laughs> Look, Disney sucks, <laughs> but Gravity Falls is great. And standards and practices of Disney are dumb. Anyway, so what did you think overall of the episode Tourist Trapped? Anyways, so um, other things I liked. So, you know, we obviously, we get um, the whole, all of the bits with Norman are, are great. 
like the like the you know the the evidence hunting montage and him just like I like when he reveals himself. It's just like he does the little like hand rub thing. Like oh, so we're gnomes. Yes. First off, <laughs> we'll never forget you, Mabel, because we're gonna kidnap you. <laughs> yes, that is a funny joke. We get the introduction of the awkward sibling hug, yes. which will come into play at a later date. Um, and Dipper, so for, for most of this episode, Dipper is actually wearing a different hat than he usually is because he is wearing this camo hat with a star on it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, Stan lets them pick out, you know, one thing from the store and he gets the pine tree hat, yep. which was uh, Alex Hirsch's way of establishing the idea of continuity in the series and that things would change and stay and stay and you know stay changed from episode to episode which was kind of a new thing outside of the uh, the fact that he wears the same clothes every day <laughs> hey you can they look you you gotta cut corners where you can um, okay. <laughs> um hey, mabel wears different clothes every every day so yes. you know give her credit there she has a different sweater in every episode mabel gets the grappling hook yes which is great and we are intro- and then as the episode ends, Stan is seen walking through a mysterious basement door. And I remember watching this for the first time. And because I, I remember seeing the promos for, for this show. I don't know if you if you remember this, no, but there was a I don't remember that. <laughs> well well there was a there was an ad. There was an early ad like the year before it came out where it was like it was like found footage style. It was it was first person Dipper and Mabel investigating like a monster in the closet. And then it turns out there was like a real monster and there was like legit atmosphere. Yeah. And at the time I remember, cause I was kind of phasing out of Disney channel at the time. And that kind of drew me back in. Cause mm. I was like, Oh, what, what is this thing? This is new and different. I've never seen something like this before. This intrigues me. Um, and then I remember seeing the basement door at the end of this episode. It was like, well, I gotta find out. I gotta keep watching because I gotta find out what happens in the, ba- exactly. what's, what's the basement Babylon door. Exactly, it 5 plotting. <laughs> oh my god, not this again. It does. Um, yeah, and I'd also uh, want to point out other interesting bit of trivia. So uh, all of the season one episodes have a cryptogram yes. in the credits. Um, and this uh, this episode's cryptogram, when decoded, reads, Welcome to Gravity Falls. Ah, um, sort of a little introduction to the series, but yeah. I, overall, Taurus Trapped, really fun, solid entry, great character dynamics. Um, there is obviously a little bit of like weirdness in terms of like they're still episode. getting their footing. Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Um, if you watch the original unaired pilot, it's kind of a condensed version of this. So, uh, yes. Um, like you know, Dipper has like a narration in the beginning, and it opens in medias res, which is not a thing any of the other episodes ever do. It's yeah. like, oh, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Alex Hirsch is still getting used to his Seuss voice. That's yes. a thing that happens in, and you'll notice that in episode two as well. Um, but you know, overall, still really fun time. Great introduction to the overall you know concept of the series and the various characters and ideas that the. And the world that they're going to play around with, you know. But Callie, how many gnomes would you give it out of ten? Do we have to do this? Yes! We have to do it, Callie. We have to rate each individual episode on a scale of one to ten. Wait, wait, I thought it was I thought it was out of five. <laughs> one to ten. I give this one eight out of ten gnomes. Okay. And I would four probably out of five frogs. I would probably also give it eight out of ten gnomes. Alright. So now we move on to the second episode. Second episode is The Legend of the Gobblewonker. This one's written by John Aoshimima. 
or Aoshima, sorry, written by Alex Hirsch and Mike Rianda, and it premiered June 29, 2012, production code 101, to 3.14 million viewers. So, in this episode, one second, it's fishing season in Gravity Falls, and Stan is looking at Dipper and Mabel to be his fishing buddies, but they'd rather go with Seuss on an expedition to find a legendary sea monster known as the Gobblewonker. Meanwhile, Grunkle Stan tries desperately to find a replacement for his fishing buddies, and ends up pissing everybody else off around him. Now, they end up finding this alleged sea monster, but the sea monster itself turns out to actually be the town kook. What's his name again? I forget. Old Man McGuckin! Old Man McGuckin. And he invented this uh, robot machine for I, reasons I forget. What were the reasons, right, Kelly? Basically, uh, he invents the machine because um, he wanted attention. His, yes. His son, his son didn't visit Right, right. Him. His son didn't take him seriously anymore. Right, right. I remember this. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Overall, I think The Legend of the Gobblewonker, I really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed how it really explored the... Dipper and Mabel's relationship to Grunkle Stan and showed how Grunkle Stan, while he is kind of an asshole, does actually care about Dipper and Mabel and wants to spend time with them because he is an old yeah. man and likes to do old man things like fishing. I also really <laughs> love the gags all throughout this episode when they interfere with people's fishing and stuff. I thought that was <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think this is a great episode. I think I'm going to give this one uh, 7.5 Gobblewonkers out of 10. So I take it over to our resident Gobblewonker hater, Callie. Callie, why are you in favor of the extermination of all Gobblewonkers? Well, there's only one, and it's a robot. Right. <laughs> why do you approve of the creation of killer destructive robots? Well, because killer robots are awesome. It's true. <laughs> so anyways, Legend of the Gobblewonker is a really fun episode. It's very funny. Um, you know, we open on the, you know, fun maple syrup race, um, mm -hmm. and the little flashback of uh dipper and mabel uh having to counterfeit for grunkle stan yes <laughs> oh that ben franklin he looks like a woman <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like who wants to put on some blindfolds and get into my car <laughs> <laughs> and we of course are introduced to old man McGucket, local kook yes. one of my favorite characters another another voiced by alex Hirsch, who ends um, up being an important lore character later Yes, that is very true. Um, it's very, it's it's a very interesting dynamic for us to, because we've never talked about a TV show where both of us have seen it all the way through before. Yes. So like, this is going to be very interesting. Yes. <laughs> I uh, vaguely remember what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I I love old man McGucket. He's great. It's a Jacob Grave Danger. <laughs> yes. And who voices He's, old man McGucket again? Alex. Uh, Alex Hirsch. I see. Like, He's like a one-man show. That Alex 50 Hirsch. 50% of the voice cast for this show is just Alex Hirsch. <laughs> How talented um, he is. Yeah, very good. I, I like the gag where Mabel wants the, the human-sized hamster ball. Um, <laughs> same. Isn't this honestly. also the first episode that introduces the coded gay police officers? I th are they in this episode? I think it's the next episode. Oh, actually. it must be the next episode. Anyway, Yeah, and also they're not coded. In the finale, they are just... They are just gay. <laughs> I forgot that. Okay. Yeah. Um, gay? Well, well, we, we, we'll talk about that later. Yes. Um, anyways. Um, uh, even though, uh, again, as as I mentioned, Seuss's voice is a little awkward in this because Alex Hirsch hasn't quite nailed down the intonation yet. So it sort of just sounds like his natural voice. But I do like the guy. And it comes through in, this, in the line I'm talking about 
but I still think the line is really funny where when Dipper is talking to them about the monster, it's like, what's the what's the number one problem with most monster hunts? If you're a side character, you die within the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> am I a side character? Ever talk about stuff like that? <laughs> like Yes. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Dipper, of course, buys, like, 17 cameras, and they proceed to destroy most of the... Like, oh, yeah, that 13. was fun. That was fun. Uh, I was counting in my head the cameras to make yeah. sure it was accurate, and it was. Thir- 13! <laughs> 12! We have 12 cameras! <laughs> yes. And, you know, of course, uh, as as uh, as Brian mentioned, uh, lots of great gags of Stan just harassing random citizens while fishing. Always good. My ex-wife still misses me! <laughs> but her aim is getting better. <laughs> it's funny because marriage is terrible. <laughs> and he says that to the people that are proposing to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I also I also like when he meets the the the, the little kids with their grandpa. It's like, tell me more stories, Papa. Anything from my vision buddies. <laughs> it's very good. Yes. So overall, what would you give the Legend of the Gobblewonker out of ten? gobble wonkers so then uh other other things i enjoy um <laughs> I, I like dipper's interview fantasy where he's dressed like indiana jones and then and yes. then uh mabel <laughs> breaks through in the hamster ball why won't you interview me <laughs> yes that um, is very fun i like they, that they meet the gobble wonker it rains beavers um it's raining beaver and it rains fish because the because uh the uh the lumberjack guy is all like the fishes they seek revenge. <laughs> yes. That's that's fun. Uh, I like how they go behind the waterfall because there's always something behind the waterfall. Mm-hmm. Very important to remember. Um, and then you know we find out, of course, the robot was built by McGucket, and he's like, in retrospect, it seems a bit contrived. And I like how the idea is that old man McGucket solves all of his conflicts with giant robots. But then there so, was a real cryptid at the end. That's true. Um, I know, um, and Alex Hirsch talks about this in, in the commentaries, at the time people were kind of upset that it was just a robot and that it mm-hmm. wasn't real magic. And that's why it's almost always, you know, from this point on, yes. it's, there's always a supernatural explanation because he because he knew, like, he, he didn't want to have to cheat people. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's fun. And, you know, I, I like all the bits with, like, the shame bot and, you know, <laughs> and shit like that. Um and, you know, it ends with different Mabel, you know, they actually realize, hey, maybe maybe we should spend time with our Grunkle Stan. And they take a bunch of family photos, and then Mabel does uh, some jokes with the pelican. Yes. Also, this episode's cryptogam says, uh, uh, reads, next week, return to Butt Island. Because yes. there's, a, there's a gag about Butt Island earlier in the episode. So, that's fun. But Callie, the real question is, how many gobble wonkers would you give this out of ten? I would say a solid, like, what did you give it, like, 7.5? I gave it 7.5 Gobble Wonkers out of 10 yeah. Gobble Wonkers. Yeah, I would say, I would say that's about accurate. Um, I don't know if it's quite as effective as Taurus Trap, and it does, even though I love the bits with the shame bot, you know, Old Man McGucket solving all his problems with giant robots, yes. I do feel like it's a bit of a letdown to be like, oh, it, it wasn't magic, it's, it's just a robot. It's, yeah. Yeah, but still, overall, really fun time. Yeah. All right, now we move on to episode three, which is Headhunters. In Headhunters, this one is directed by John Aoshima and was written by Alex Hirsch and R. I, I, I actually, I, I believe it's actually a Zeoshima. Zeoshima? Because there's a um there there's a gag in a later episode that's technically a reference to him. Wait, so it's pronounced Zeoshima? I think yes. Okay. Zeoshima. 
uh, well, John, uh, it's written by John, and it was written by <laughs> Alex Hirsch and Ari Wallington. It would premiere June 30th, 2012, production code 102 to 2.71 million viewers. So in Headhunters, Grunkle Stan learns his wax sculpture of Abraham Lincoln is melted, and Mabel makes a wax sculpture of Grunkle Stan to replace it. Next day, they discover someone has stolen the new sculpture's head. Dipper and Mabel set out to find well, out. Not who just did the stolen; crime. they murdered. They murdered him. They murdered Wax Grunkle Stan. Yes, <laughs> and then it turns out that the other wax sculptures are actually alive. And not only are they alive, they killed that Grunkle Stan wax sculpture because they thought he was the real Grunkle Stan. And they are out for revenge for being kidnapped by him and being turned into wax sculptures. Right. And um, yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, really, they're out, for, Stan, well, that, they're, well, they're out for revenge because they were they were locked up in storage. For that's what I said. Yes, yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah. That is what I meant. So, yes. Uh, so, headhunters, they, what happens next is uh, they all attack the headhunters. The headhunters attack them. They end up getting one out onto the roof where it melts. That's the Sherlock Holmes one. And that ends up in their struggle and ends up uh, knocking off the S from the mystery shack sign and it becomes a mystery hack. And yeah, overall, I think Headhunters is a really great episode. It's the first like really horror episode, which I think is a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of uh, classic horror films like House of Wax or Mystery of the Wax Museum or the House of Wax remake or any of the <laughs> other wax related horror films. Uh, yeah, so Headhunters, I think it's an overall great time. I'm gonna give this one eight out of 10 wax heads. So now we take it over to our uh, good friend, Callie. Callie, why are you in favor of murdering all wax sculptures? Well, I mean, have you been to Madame Tussauds? Those things are creepy. Yes. <laughs> so what did you think of Headhunters? Uh, well, I think Headhunters is a fantastic episode. Probably this is where the show starts fully firing on all cylinders, I think, after the slight awkward slump of the first two episodes. And by the way, the fact that any TV show has an awkward slump of only two episodes and not, like, an entire season. It's nothing short of a miracle. Yeah, um, like, I'm a Babylon 5 super fan, and I do have to agree that, like, season one's, like, the weak part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're, so this episode actually introduces a lot of uh, iconic elements, like uh, this is the first appearance of Duck Detective. Um, what Quack. would Quack. Which is really clear, clearly a reference to Frobisher, the talking detective penguin from the Doctor Who comics. Sh sure. <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, so, yeah, we find out that Stan used to run a wax museum, and there's all these wax figures of, you know, famous celebrities who... All of them are dead now, actually, because yes. at the time, Coolio. Larry King and Coolio were still alive, and they voiced it. But, like, literally, the day after I rewatched this was when Coolio died. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, that um, was pretty crazy. Yeah, that was really surreal. Um... But anyway, so yeah, he, he used to run a wax museum, and he decides to open the wax museum back up, but up, up, um, but uh, Abraham Lincoln melted, wax John Wilkes Booth, I'm looking at you! And then, yes. um, he makes the wax your uncle stand, but enough about me! Behold! Me! <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, I love that. Oh, um, and I forgot the part where Dipper and Mabel become detectives and they start true. looking through the murderer and they end up accusing one of the local detectives, one of the local news reporters of the murder and that ends up not being him, obviously, because the wax sculptures did it. Yes, um, uh, that that sculpture is also, well, I think what low-key one of my favorite characters, Toby Determined, who's just this 
sad, pathetic little shell of a man, mm-hmm. and I love him. <laughs> your microphone's a token. Uh, your microphone's a turkey baster, Toby. It certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized Toby Determines' name is a pun. You just realized that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they they go off to investigate the murder. Uh, I like Seuss's line, in my opinion, this is an axe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then they, you know, they're going to investigate, and Stan's like, uh, sounds like the sort of thing a responsible parent wouldn't want you to do it. Good thing I'm an uncle. Yeah, Avenge me, kids! <laughs> Avenge me! Yes. <laughs> and then the the joke with joke was like they they have to go to the like the bar mm-hmm. to like find suspects. Oh yeah, that's like, a lot like the Twin Peaks pilot. Uh, the bar there's an ongoing bar location in Twin Peaks called the Roadhouse, and uh, a lot of bad shit goes down there. So that's another yeah. Twin Peaks esque reference. Yeah, but uh, the anyways the the bouncer. The, the bouncer's like, you know, sorry, we don't serve minors here. And then you see it's a literal minor. He's like, yes. oh, dang it. <laughs> like a, like a I mine rocks minor. Yeah, like with a, with a pick. Yes. And, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, so they, they do their whole investigation. They, they think it's Toby, but it's not Toby. Um, this is also the episode that introduces us to, as you mentioned, Blubs and Durland, mm-hmm. the two cops that are, that are, totally that are definitely not gay they're buddies as far as disney standards and practices is concerned until the end of the episode until the end of the series when you know <laughs> they can't stop him <laughs> callie disney standards and practices says that uh that this character can't be gay also callie disney's not bad okay look, leave disney alone <laughs> look sometimes they're bad it's a nuanced situation, okay? Mm. <laughs> sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, what else did you think about the episode? <laughs> Anyways, um, so then, you know, all the wax figures come to life, and, you know, they have to have a big fight, and we, we Dipper fights wax Sherlock Holmes, voiced by John Oliver, um... I've oh. seen my magnifying glass. It's in no- like literally. That's I didn't fair. realize that, that was John Oliver. Yeah, that surprised me too. John um, I didn't realize it until I uh, watched it with commentary last year, and Alex Hirsch pointed it out that that it was John Oliver. Oh. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I also like Dipper's deadpan. I decapitated Larry King, um, <laughs> and you know because they they win, and you know, but meanwhile the head of Larry King still lives in the vents. Um, as evidenced by this week's cryptogram, which decoded reads, he's still in the vents. So overall, what did you think of this episode, and how many wax sculpture heads would you give it out of 10? Yeah, I thought this was a fantastic episode. I would say, I would say probably, uh, uh, nine, nine out of 10, mm. uh, wax sculptures. All right. That brings us on to the hand that rocks the Mabel. In this episode, Dipper and Mabel check out Grunkle Stan's archenemy, evil psychic Lil Gideon, during one of the tent telepathy shows. By the way, this episode was, of course, directed by John Zaoshimima. Uh, I don't I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Zaoshima. Written by Alex Hirsch and Zach Pays, and originally aired July the 6th, 2012. Production code 104 to 2.95 million viewers. So in this episode... 
Dipper and Mabel check out Grunkelstan's arch enemy, evil psychic Lil Gideon, who's sort of like a Peter Pomp Popoff type uh televangelist psychic. Yeah, Leo. yeah. Alex Hirsch has said, and he says this in the commentary, that mm-hmm. uh Lil Gideon was very specifically inspired by um well uh psychic hotlines. Yes. Um one and uh televangelists. Yes. And during one of the tent telepathy shows, the little brat <laughs> becomes obsessed with Mabel and decides that she will be his girlfriend, despite her repeated objections. After she gives him a final brush off, Gideon invokes his psychic powers and declares revenge on the Pines family. But meanwhile, Dipper goes to confront Lil Gideon, and Lil Gideon, using the power of his bow tie, starts levitating him um, until actually, Mabel walks in. Actually, it's a bolo in. tie. Yeah, it's a bolo tie. It's what I You said say. bow tie. It's fine. It's the same thing. So then... No, it's not. <laughs> Mabel walks in and is like, I'm not gonna date you. You were about to murder my brother. And then <laughs> Lil Gideon was like, ah, yes, I see, but uh, you will date me because I am an incel. And then... <laughs> Dipper grabs the bolo tie and is like, fuck you and your stupid hair. I don't trust anyone with hair bigger than their head and crushes the bolo tie. It's true. His hair is bigger than his head. Crushes the bolo tie and says, where is your God now, Gideon? And then Gideon's like, aha, but you don't know. I got one of them secret Twin Peaks books in my back room. And my dad's going to continue to harass your dad, even though they wanted to come to an agreement. Uh, I mean, not your dad, your Grunkle Stan. They wanted to come to an agreement where Mabel would marry Gideon, which is very strange considering the fact that Gideon, that, like, Mabel's, like, 12, and Grunkle Stan was just about to get into an arranged marriage. Don't think too hard about that part. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, His father-slash-talent agent is going to continue the rift with Grunkle Stan, and... uh, that is the end, because he has one of the Twin Peaks books, which becomes important later. So I thought this episode was fantastic. I really enjoyed the little Gideon villain. I enjoyed that he is a obnoxious, horrible incel asshole. Um, <laughs> yes! He is a little shit. He is the worst. <laughs> and, you know, someone should just punch him in the face, honestly. Yes. I know he's a child, <laughs> but it's worth it definitely yes and uh so yeah overall i think the the plot with mabel and how mabel doesn't like know how to reject somebody is very well done and very relatable and uh she gets dipper to try and do it for her but then realizes that she needs to do it herself i thought that was a lot of fun it was very uh it got really into mabel's character a lot more which i thought was very enjoyable overall it's a fantastic episode i'm gonna give this one nine out of ten bolo ties of psychic origin and now i'm going to move it over to our resident psychic callie callie you are both a psychic and a televangelist so tell us how this relates to your unique experience with this episode well um yeah i will i would support you all to to buy my book (laughs) why why giving me money free estrogen to improve your will improve your well-being yes um for for five easy payments of 29.99 um anyways uh the hand that rocks to mabel i thought was a is a fantastic episode um so this of course introduces our main villain for season one little gideon voiced by thurup van orman who many of you may know as the creator of the marvelous misadventures of flapjack and I believe, oh. which is actually where alex Hirsch got his start he was a writer on that show ah. uh a, a lot of a lot of the current era of great cartoons can be traced back to Flapjack. Uh, 
oddly enough. Which is weird, because um, I never liked Flapjack. <laughs> really? You never liked... I, I thought it wasn't Flapjack my thing. Was... I was more of a Chowder fan, and I feel I like liked both. at the time there was like a turf war between Chowder fans and like Flapjack fans. <laughs> I don't remember that. Although I wasn't on the internet at the time, so I don't. I don't remember this. This is just how I felt at the time. No, because I I liked both. I mean, I think I preferred Chowder, but uh, I I enjoyed both uh, Chowder and and Flapjack. Um, anyways, what did you think of this episode, and anyways, how many but... bolo ties out of ten would you give it? Okay, so anyways, um, all right, so they visit the Tent of Telepathy, and uh, he, I love the the little song he does about the, the Tent of Telepathy. It's a lot of fun. Um, I also want to know, because the Tent of Telepathy, as they even pointed out, is that it's meant to be a Bizarro version of the Mystery Shack, and they even have their own version of Seuss. What mm-hmm. happened to Bizarro Seuss? Because he never uh, shows up again. <laughs> I think Bizarro Seuss probably dies. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah probably off screen somewhere oh damn yeah uh, just like whatever death defying thing the kids do next just imagine that they were killed by that off screen oh my god yeah <laughs> um yeah so anyways so uh i like the bond of you know between gideon and mabel where mabel is at first like oh you know you know you know i like gideon you know i i have someone to do girl stuff with now and you know you and Zeus do boy stuff all the time and i think this is the moment that especially like i never understood how blowing up hot dogs in the microwave one at a time was considered an entertaining guy thing to do and are you kidding that's hilarious maybe this is why i'm sure i I really should have picked up on the fact that i was i mean i'm non-binary and i like blowing up things in the microwave I mean, personally, if I were putting my favorite YouTube show of all time is, is it a good idea to microwave this? (laughs) I mean, personally, if I were taking hot dogs out of the freezer, I want to cook them and and eat them. Mm. But you know, that seems like a waste of food to me. Maybe that, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just angry because I'm poor and I'm like, you're wasting those hot dogs. Those are perfectly good hot dogs. (laughs) Um, anyway. you're poor is showing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyways so so gideon has power issues and you know they go to the fancy restaurant and they bring a horse into the restaurant um he's super pushy yeah and it's uncomfortable also why is the lobster at the restaurant still alive this is uh, disturbing. some restaurants i i think it's a joke because like some restaurants have you pick the live lobster to be killed okay, yeah but why is the lobster still on the plate why is the because live it's, lobster it's, on the plate? it's doing that but one step further as like a joke <laughs> You get what okay. I mean? Like, it's being okay. like, it's but being I like, quite, I, 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 you know how they do this? Well, what if they did that? And it's like, oh my God, this place is Yeah, really like, I know, fancy. I know it's a, I know, I know, I know it's a joke. I know it's a joke, but I, I still question, like, this feels like it violates the health code somehow. <laughs> but no, anyways. Just stick a knife in its brain. Oh, it's, you know what it is? It's like that one, that's like that one squid where if you pour a specific kind of sauce on it, it starts moving around. Like, yes. It's, it's that. Um, anyways, uh, I like the gag where they're trying, where Sue's trying to come up with the ship name, and instead like of the obvious, boy. <laughs> instead of the obvious Gable, he, he comes up with fucking, like, Megid Bellion, <laughs> which yes. I find funny. And this is, of course, uh, uh, meme origins. We've got a meme origin in this episode, mm-hmm. so where of Stan's, oh, this, this is beautiful. It's like, <laughs> yes. I think that. And the other ship name would be Midian, which of course is already a thing in the movie Nightbreed. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like uh, Mabel's not here. She's in Sweater Town. You know, <laughs> her, her, her going up into the big sweater and, you know, sweater trying town. to comfort her. 
Um, and also, this is the origin. I, I always it, so like I, I always forget this line comes up this early, but I love the line where um, Gideon's dad comes into his room like Gideon gleeful, clean up this mess, and then Gideon just goes, "I can buy and sell you, old man." For real. <laughs> yes. Uh, because his dad's his dad is like his talent agent slash employee. <laughs> yes. He's created um, a monster which he can no longer control. I also like the gag where Wendy just starts listing off the names of people she's broken up with as yes. Mabel asks her for advice. Um, and I think forgot to broke up with one of them. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then she gets a text from him. It's like, ignore. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So how many, uh, how many bolo ties of Psychic Origin would you give this episode out of 10? Okay, so, um, all right. So last couple of things, uh, you know, like Mabel breaking up with Gideon and, you know, self-actualizing. I like that this is a Mabel-centric episode. Love me some Mabel, voiced yes. by the uh, effervescent and wonderful Kristen Schaal. Um, uh, and, you know, and Gideon swears vengeance. And, you know, I, I remember the twist of this episode when he, when he, there's another journal, it's got the number two on it. And I remember watching this for the first time and being like, there's a journal two? Yep. What? I mean, the first journal said three on it, so I, I, I mean, I, I honestly like when I was when I was a kid watching this, I had assumed that the I had assumed at the time that the three was just like an aesthetic choice. Oh no, I I, I watched this when I was a teenager, so I was like, ah. Yes. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I was, I mean, I was fourteen when the show came out, but like, mm. so I was, I was a teenager as well, but like, I just, I did, I wasn't thinking that hard about it. I just figured the three was like an aesthetic choice, and I didn't think, oh, there's another one. No. Oh. You and I also there's a great credit gag of uh, Disco Seuss yes. and the cryptogram. This episode decodes to read Carla. Why won't you call me? Which is a mm. reference to um, earlier in the episode when they do the tent of telepathy commercial. Um, at the end of the copyright disclaimer, it says Carla, I always loved you, but I never had the chance to say it. Which also is on uh, on the bottom of the box set. If you read all through the copyright information on the box set, at the very end, it also says, Carla, I've always loved you, but I never had the guts to say it. <laughs> all right, so how many uh, bolo ties of Psychic Origin would you give I this would episode say, out of 10? You know, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say 10 out of 10 bolo ties of Psychic Origin. This is a phenomenal Ooh. episode. Really loved it. Spicy. All right. Yeah. Well, now we move on to the inconveniencing, which is, of course, a reference to the, uh, the Happening, which is a film directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And uh, The Inconveniencing is directed by Joe Pitt and Aaron Springer, and this one's written by Alex Hirsch and Mike Rianda. Originally aired July the 13th, 2012, production code 103 to 3.55 million viewers. So, in The Inconveniencing, Dipper develops a crush on Wendy, which is weird, and attempts to portray himself as a mature teenager, which is weird. He is really 12 (laughs) years old, but is passing himself off as 13 years old, so he can hang out with her and her friends. But when Dipper, Mabel, Wendy, and Wendy's friends, including one named Robbie, who has the hots for her friends, visit an abandoned convenience store, they discover it is haunted by elderly ghosts who hate teenagers. Thankfully, though, Dipper reveals his secret that he is not indeed a teenager and does his lammy lammy dance, which ends (laughs) up saving the day. And uh, when Wendy sees this, she does not tell the other friends that it was a lammy lammy dance to protect his cool identity. So... 
Uh, Wendy's 15 and Dipper's 12, and the fact that Dipper constantly has, like, a crush on her is kind of weird. Okay. And it's also, I, that's kind of the point, I yeah, understand. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Yes. The idea is that this is a, you know, a young, you know, first crush, illogical sort of thing. Yeah. Alex Hirsch even talks about in the, in the commentary that he finds it very weird when people try to be like, oh, this is problematic, or, like, or actually shipping them. It's like, no, the, the point is that it's wrong. Yes. <laughs> like that. <laughs> the point is, it would never work, it should never work, and it won't ever work. I mean, granted, a three-year age gap is definitely, you know, not as big a deal once you get... Like, like if they were to meet again ten years later, it would probably be fine. Are you making but the Anakin that... Skywalker argument right now? No, because that age gap was a lot worse from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway um so yeah this episode is uh, pretty decent i enjoyed it a lot i thought it was fun it really shows uh dipper and his inner weird psychology uh I, dipper uh, i feel very uh attacked by dipper because i feel like dipper i really relate to dipper a little bit uh, but yeah, I feel like overall, I am Dipper and Mabel simultaneously. You're more Mabel, I feel like, and I'm I'm more Dipper. I feel like I used to relate to Dipper, but especially since egg cracking, I relate a lot more to Mabel. Okay. But yeah. anyway, I think this episode's overall decent. It's not one of my favorite episodes. I do enjoy the how it uh, establishes the interest that he has in Wendy, and it, it basically fleshes out Wendy's character a lot more. I thought that was a lot of fun. So, and the overall haunted ghosts that don't like teenagers felt a little weird to me, but uh, it's fine. I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10 overall. It's still very fun, very funny, very entertaining episode. So, Callie, what did you think of the inconveniencing? Well, I'm going to bring I, this over I... to my friend Callie on our right. Uh, Callie, you don't believe in ghosts, and you challenge any ghosts to come haunt you. Is that correct? Well, I mean, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Exactly, yes. Yeah. But about Anyways, uh, the inconveniencing. I really, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's a lot of fun. You know, we obviously we get more of Wendy, and we are introduced to Dipper's crush on her, which you know becomes a recurring plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, I like how when they're having the uh, the dance party, and Dipper is like, you know, making notes, and he's just like, "I am pretending to write something down." <laughs> yes, I I think that's a lot of fun. Um, now is not the time to talk about the Lammy dance. <laughs> The Lammy Lamb dance. The, la- the Lammy dance. And then, you know, they get the, you know, uh, you know, we meet all of Wendy's friends. Uh, Thompson, Tambry, uh, Leonates, and, and Robbie, mm-hmm. who's gr- who, is, who is a very funny, pathetic man, despite the fact that he is Okay, Robbie by... is super weird in retrospect because he's yeah. jealous of a 12-year-old boy. That's true. Like, I mean, how granted, insecure do you need to be? <laughs> I mean, he's. I mean, he's voiced by known sex pest T.J. Miller. It's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know at the time. <laughs> we didn't know at the time. Uh, yes. Um, uh. Yeah. So he Dipper, of course, lies about being a teenager because he's he's insecure. And uh, also, um, you know, there's the gag in the car. Of, Did you just lick my hand? Which would <laughs> later be referenced in mm. the Owl House ah. when Hunter licks Lucy's hand. In, ah. in the hunting talisman episode. Mm. Um, uh, this is also uh, one of my favorite uh, one-off gags. Uh, this episode has one of my favorite one-off gags. In uh, there's a there's an ongoing B plot where Grunkle Stan, you know, he can't find the TV remote. Yes, so he ends up watching this movie. The Duchess approves, and he loves it. 
Yes, and st- sternly Stardomurder said the dungeons and Ransible Con- as the Ransible Constraint Stardomurder had to vote for Dyer. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I love that bit. So they, they go to the convenience store and, you know, they have the big food fight. And then, of course, Mabel trips out on Smile Dip. Yes. Which... A very entertaining it's sequence. It's very funny. Um, funny, and it leads to the her riding on a giant whale with multiple arms that spits rainbows. Yes. The future is in the past. Onward, Seoshima! Which <laughs> people still, which people still, um, like, reference to Alex Hirsch at cons, and he's like, you know, I just, you know, and because it is really funny, it's like, you know, that was just a gag based on, you know, our crew member, you know, John, a- John Seoshima. Mm-hmm. John A. Oshima. Um, and so I, you know, you know, he, he has achieved immortality in, in, in a way. Um, mm-hmm. and that onward Seoshima is also, uh, the cryptogram for this episode. Getting that out of the way now. Um, ah, so, cool. uh, uh, um, all right. So, uh, other things in this episode, uh, I may be a duchess, but I'm also a woman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in your face, Elizabeth. It's just like my life, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I like, you know, they they find the DDR machine. It's like, look, the Grunkle Stan. More like yeah. Grunkle Tran. It's so, a woman. I I'd buy it. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, so then the ghosts show up and they trap everybody. And very Tambry gets trapped in the GV. Thompson gets stuck in the DDR machine. Uh, Lee ends up in, in the cereal box, like, I'm bonkers for eating you alive! <laughs> and, uh, and Nate gets turned into a hot dog. Um, yes. But it turns out that the ghost only targets teenagers because, you know, they hate teenagers because they, they you know, they're, they're, they're disrespectful short pants! <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we decided to up and bam them. And their hip-hop music. Their hip-hop music. Oh my god, I fucking the, love... The lyrics of the hip-hop the song, intent, where it's like, the, I don't respect authority. Yeah, homework's whack, and so are rules. <laughs> Tuck it in your shirts for fools. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's so shocking that they die of double heart attacks. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love it so... So much, and I yes. also love the Lammy dance, which was apparently inspired by um, uh, one of the uh, main head writers and later director of Mitchells versus the Machines, Michael Riandas. Oh. So, I didn't know he was one of the directors of Mitchells versus the Machines. That's really he, cool. He is the he is the yes. He went on to direct Mitchells versus the Machines. Yes, that movie slapped so hard. It does indeed. It rocked my bod, quite <laughs> frankly. Did. Quite, quite. I mean, I mean. You know, Katie Mitchell. Shout yes. out to Katie Mitchell for being gold. So, how many uh, ghosts out of ten would you give this one? Um, I would say, uh, all right. So, quick wrap up. Um, I also I enjoy that Wendy covers for Dipper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very sweet, and uh, I like the dramatic ending of the movie where um, you know, the lo- lo- the Lord sh- uh, storms it at the wedding. He's like, "You had your chance at the Cotillion, you." You mm-hmm. had your chance at the cotillion, you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah, this this is like really really funny, but uh, you know, a- admittedly, it's a little. You know, I I would say, uh, nine out of ten. Nine, nine out, out of, 10? of ten. Oh my god, that's that's uh, very high. Ghost. I I just I just really like all of the gags. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's one of the most consistently funny episodes, and you know that's true. I, think... I just I just think that it doesn't quite have the same 
concept like some of them are really conceptually strong especially like the next one we're going to talk that's, about that's true i mean it's mostly it's it's a it's a haunted house episode but i feel yeah. like shifting that to a convenience store is a very unique setting so i do like that i mean, i suppose so i mean yeah. it would eventually of course be ripped off in the uh or maybe it itself was inspired by the film yoga hosers well no yoga hosers came later um, so yoga hosers ripped off this episode of gravity falls is what you're saying yes so you give this one nine out of ten lamb lammy lamb dances yes all right i give this one seven out of ten lammy lamb dances because i can't remember what the previous metric was all right on to dipper versus manliness uh dipper is haunted by his lack of manliness and chest hair so he goes on a quest to become a man with the help of a gang of manatars he meets Meanwhile, Mabel tries to teach Grunkle Stan how to be more of a ladies' man and capture the heart of the waitress at their local diner, Lazy Susan. Um, then what happens, of course, is Dipper is told by the Manatars that he needs to go out and murder a multi-bear, and the multi-bear actually turns out to be a pretty chill dude that likes the Swedish pop group Bava, which of course is a reference to Ava, and they both know all of the songs to Not Dancing Queen. And, Disco uh, Girl, yeah. yes. And he decides not to kill the multi-bear, and then goes back and says, You know what? I'm a man, because I make my own decisions, and I don't follow none of y'all hairy bullshit. And then he leaves. And yeah, so that's basically the episode. And, uh, oh, by the way, what, in the subplot where Grunkle Stan, uh, m basically Mabel's trying to make Grunkle Stan presentable, and then eventually he just, like, says, Hey, do you want to go out and then she's like sure haha uh yeah i thought this one was a great episode definitely one of my favorites of the early season uh mostly because of how conceptually coherent it is you know with dipper taking on toxic masculinity and dealing with you know this sort of coming of age story of what it means to be a man which is something that he deals with a lot because he is very insecure about that in particular and how he is not older than he's not he he's someone that wants to be older than he yeah. is basically um so i thought that whole storyline was just fantastically done and then you get this other side with uh, lazy susan one of my favorite side characters now this whole uh pacific northwest has a diner with very quirky characters this very twin peaks-esque which is why <laughs> i love it so much um and lazy susan is a fantastic character i love her a lot and her one lazy eye and she uh, has to bring it up and down to do a wink i thought that's a lot of fun so i'm gonna give this one hot take five out of five manatars oh. 10 out of 10 manatars so now i take it over to our fellow uh womanatar callie <laughs> thank what you. did you think <laughs> of dipper versus manliness okay so i'm gonna say right now um Watching this episode post my egg cracking is, um, shall we say, an interesting experience. Um, because it's definitely, I feel like I always felt kind of weird about this episode. Like, I think it's a very good episode, and the way it deconstructs gender and talks about masculinity, I think is very, it's very well done and very compelling. And Alex Hirsch in the commentary track actually talks about, he was afraid of going back to this episode because there had been so much talk and evolution of how we look at gender so mm -hmm. he was really afraid this was going to be dated and you know i honestly bad. don't think it is and, like and, i know, think it still holds up that it's still that it still holds up and i would agree mm -hmm. i think it does hold up but i will say you know as a trans woman it's it is a very surreal ex and, and strange experience 
to to watch this episode because I guess, because I, I guess I remember feeling like I all I, I feel like I always remember the because the lesson of the episode is of course toxic masculinity is bad. Yes. Um, but I, I I feel like there was also when I was a kid I remember feeling slightly like I don't know if I find even the supposedly good parts of this you know manly man society to be uh, appealing and uh, I, I now I know why. <laughs> yeah um so anyways on to the episode itself so you know the the pines family decides to go out to the diner for breakfast and um and you know they can't afford any pancakes because they're poor um <laughs> and i i like how uh the first thing we like they go into that it's like lazy susan how are you doing today i got hit by a bus it's <laughs> <laughs> very good and you know they can't, uh, you know, and Dipper tries to win the, the manliness tester, but neither Stan nor Mabel think he is manly. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's, He has zero he chest hairs. Abba. He has zero chest hair, and he sings ABBA. Um, this is also kind of the episode that uh, originates the many, many different and very and varying trans Dipper headcanons um, popular amongst the community. The trans mass Dipper headcanon. I also... You know, you could argue he's a repressed trans woman. Um, so the, Dipper is one of those characters that is so transgender, you could call them trans mask or trans femme, and everyone will be like, hell yeah, that's canon. I um, personally don't see it, but it's okay if you do. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, my take on this as, as a non-binary person is gender confuses me, <laughs> and I don't get it. So, like... When people are like, ah, oh, yes, these things are, like, masculine, I'm like, okay, but, like, why? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, as, the, I mean, yeah, I've, I've always mm-hmm. found gender roles to be arbitrary and yeah. dumb. Like, even the supposedly good ones, I'm just like, alright, but, like, that has, like, the whole idea of gender just doesn't make sense to me. And that's part of the reason why I'm non-binary. But also just yeah. because I don't feel like I fit into the binary thing yeah 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 anyways um so i like how different like get ready to eat your words and a plate of delicious pancakes <laughs> um so but he he loses and so he's insecure about his masculinity and there's the i i feel like the the, the there's one scene in particular that i feel like really contributes to a lot of trans mask people relating to dipper it was when you know he goes outside of the diner and the lady's like Oh, sorry, I was I was looking for the mailman. What, are you saying I'm not a mailman? Are you saying I'm not male? Are you saying I'm not a man? <laughs> Fine. Yes. Like, I, I feel like, from from what I understand, that is a very relatable trans-mask experience. And, you know, to to the to my trans-mask brothers, um, y'all are hella valid and handsome boys. You know, trans-solidarity. Except for the ones that aren't handsome. No, they're all handsome. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're trying to be validating here, Brian. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, unless that's, that's unless that thing is a bad person, then fuck you. Yeah, don't be a bad person. There you go. Anyway, so, what else did you? So, how many uh, how many manatars would you give Dipper versus Manliness out of ten? So, anyways, so other things I liked in this episode. So we, of course, meet the manatars themselves, and I like I like the one. I believe uh, the main. I believe the main one that we meet is voiced by uh, one Kevin Michael Richardson, who pops up mm. a number of times throughout the show. He's also 
crap. Which which one is which of the cops? I think the Blubs is Blubs. I is don't the, remember their names. No, 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 no. Yeah, Blubs is the the fat one. So mm-hmm. yeah, that one's Kevin Michael Richardson. Um, yeah. So um, he's also he's also Blubs, and I like how he's like the smell of jerky summoned me. <laughs> it's like I smell emotional issues. <laughs> yes. Um. So you know he meets up with the Manatars. And, you know, I, I literally wrote in my notes when one of the Manatars goes off about, like, I have, you know, six Adam's apples and, and fists for nipples and all of this. I was like, all of that sounds very unappealing. Um, like, hmm, how about we, we don't body shame people with fists for nipples on this podcast. Well, that's true. If, if fists for nipples is, is your truth, then live your truth. But it's not mine. I, I don't like that idea. For me. Anyway, so then Dipper has to put his hand in the pain hole. <laughs> Which is, of course, a reference to the novel Dune, written yes. by Frank Herbert, with the Gong like Jabbar test. The, the, the standards and practices department like asked him, so so what's in the pain hole? And Alex Hirsch just responded, pain. <laughs> pain is in the hole. <laughs> like, it's just a hole that has pain in it. And then they have they have the training montage set to this, like, cheesy rock song sung by jess harnell who you will know as wacko from animaniacs it's like keep on saving that hairy uncle uh, i don't really know what's happening to this part yes <laughs> I, I i love that so then they he has to go and kill the kill the multi-bear mm-hmm. and uh voiced by alfred molina oh uh, yeah the legend dr octopus dr um, octopus and the guy that dies in the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Yes. Um, so how many manlinesses so, would you give this out of 10? And then, you know, he recognizes that, you know, he, he decides not to kill the multi-bear. And he recognizes that toxic masculinity is bullshit. Yes. Directly. And meanwhile, uh, as this is happening, Mabel and Stan have a, you know, you know, a little subplot of their own. Where she's trying to help Stan be better. I like that the after picture is actually worse than the before picture. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that's funny. Um, and then, you know, you know, he ends up, you know, Stan and Susan end up, you know, getting together after all. Of course, Stan realizes, eh, actually, I'm not into this. <laughs> um, yes. Which is ironic. And Dipper is a real man for calling out, for, for standing up for his for his values. Good, yes. good for him. Um, so so how guess... many mandatories would you give this one out of ten? I would say uh, nine manatars out of ten, and I would also like to say uh, the cryptogram for this episode is mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Caesarian will be out next week. Mr. Atbash will substitute, which uh, is is meant to indicate to the viewers that a new cipher was going to be used, the Atbash cipher, mm. for future episodes, whereas the previous episodes used the Caesarian cipher. So overall, what are your overall thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I think I think it's pretty good. It's a very you know, it's a it's a really solid deconstruction of gender and you know toxic masculinity. It's a it's a very entertaining conceptually, and it's a great uh, character piece for Dipper. Um, it's definitely a weird watch as yeah. a as a trans woman, um, but uh, I I still very much think it is a very good and very well made uh, episode. All right, we are back, and now we are going to be talking. About the episode uh, Double Dipper. 
That's um, right. Double Dipper is the seventh episode. This one's directed by Joe Pitt and Aaron Springer. The story was by Mitch Larson, and the teleplay by, was by Alex Hirsch, Tim McKeown, and Mike Rianda. This one premiered August the 10th, 2012, the year that the world ended, and production code 109 to 4.18 <laughs> Oh, man, I remember viewers. when everyone thought the world was going to end in, in 2012. What a, what a time. Yeah. What an so, era. <laughs> so in this episode, Dipper agrees to work the door at Uncle Stan's big party, but he'd rather be inside flirting with Wendy. He uses a creepy copy machine to make duplicates of himself so he can do both things at the same time. But the fakes all turn on him. At the party, Mabel competes against rich snob Pacifica Northwest, funny name, to be crowned queen of the party. So what happens <laughs> then is Dipper, uh, who is basically has this long list of things he's trying to do to uh, sway Wendy to his side, uh, he fights with his alternate, uh, like, Dipper clones, and uh, he ends up be defeating them. Uh, but then one of the Dippers uh, ends up being pretty cool. That's Dipper number two. Yeah. And then Dipper number two dies. So uh, rest in peace, Dipper number two. And meanwhile... Uh, Don't you mean Tyrone? <laughs> yes, Tyrone. Tyrone. Meanwhile, Mabel is, finds her people... Uh, her her good friends, one who has a very low voice and one who is a weirdo, and uh, they are her people. I forget their names. Candy and Grenda. Yeah. Candy and Grenda, exactly. And Mabel is eventually crowned queen, I believe, correct? Well, no, she, she loses. She loses. She, she loses, but, you know, it's okay, because she found... She, she, she found, found people. her people. Right, right. Yeah. See, so I really like this episode. I think it's a great episode overall. I think the whole copying Dipper thing is super memorable. This is definitely one of the episodes I remember very vividly, except for the Mabel subplot, obviously. That B-plot I thought was decent. I really enjoyed them introducing her new friend characters, but I felt like it wasn't as memorable as the Dipper A-plot. Uh, but the Dipper A-plot's really good. I enjoyed uh, the cosmic horror of, you know, creating these clones of yourself and each one i thought was fun is slightly uh grayed out uh compared to the previous one almost like you're going through an actual scanner copier machine which i thought was funny yes. so yeah overall double dipper i'm gonna give this one an eight copies of dipper out of ten so now we take it over to our resident dipper hater callie callie oh. why do you hate dipper so much you only want one of them how Him. dare you <laughs> How many dippers would you ideally this, have? This slander, this slander will not stand. Um, but anyways, I thought Double Dipper was a great episode. I was actually going to point out that detail about the, the clones being more faded as they go by, which I love. Apparently, that was not a thing in the script. That was just a thing that the animation studio put in later. Just as, to, and uh, I, you know, so funny how things work out like that. That sometimes. makes sense. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Like, and also it kind of reminds me of, um, have you ever play uh, twins in uh, in Smash Brothers? The oh, one yeah. is light is lighter than the other one. Yes. Yeah. So all right. So this episode, uh, Stan is throwing a party at the Mystery Shack to try and you know drum up, uh, yes. you know drum up interest in the store. Seuss DJs the party. He also really likes the copier store. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just find that funny. They have they got it all at the copier store. Well, that's that's not their slogan. I just really feel that way about the coffee store. <laughs> like, mm. I don't know why. I just find that really funny. That's um, a good joke. Yeah, and you know the idea of a actual copy, like a copy machine that can actually create people, I think is a really clever concept. And you know, mm -hmm. this is another Dipper is trying to 
be with Wendy and not realizing that this is a terrible idea episode. Um, and, you know, I, I like how, you know, he has the giant, elaborate, like, checklist of just da- various Why don't you just talk to her like a normal person? I will. That's number six on the <laughs> That's list. That's number six. <laughs> That's a good year. Step number nine. I also love the, like, the fantasy where he's dancing with Wendy. It's like, I can't, like, show me that checklist again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dipper's, I enjoy uh, that. Dip- Dipper's got it bad. He does. He does. Rest in peace, Dipper's hopes and dreams. He's got, <laughs> here lies Dipper's hopes and dreams. <laughs> what a baby. <laughs> yes. Um, I also like how at the party, he, uh, Stan charges an exit fee of of 15 bucks until they're like i've only got 13 i'm stuck here (laughs) that's a good joke yeah yeah so um i like mabel's uh whole 80s outfit at the party with the leg warmers and stuff very good but callie how many dippers do you think ideally should exist in the world anyways other things i liked in this episode callie don't evade the question (laughs) how many dippers do you think should belong in this world well based on the ending of this episode it seems like it seems like it might be a highlander situation where there can only be one so what you're saying is you hate dipper so much you would prefer only one dipper that is not what i am saying that is Mm. not what i am saying how dare you put words in my mouth (laughs) anyways other things I liked in this episode. So, of course, we do get the introduction of Candy and Grenda, who become a bit more important later. I, I like them. They're a lot of fun. I like Candy with the, the forks on her hands. Like Yes. I made an improvement body. upon the human body. Yeah. And I, I know some people try to... Because I know with Grenda, some people are like, oh, is this transphobic? But, like, I don't think so. Because, That's not like, transphobic. Some no. women have low voices. Some women have you know low what's voices. transphobic? The song "Dude Looks Like a Lady." That, is that song's transphobic. That song is very transphobic. <laughs> like, because uh, honestly, I'm, I'm like, you know, like because, like, yes, there are people who point out that she has a low voice, and that's odd, but it's yeah. never like a point of ridicule. Some women yeah. have low voices. Yeah, some women have low voices, and if you... I'm sorry women... for referencing Dude Looks Like a Lady, just that song came on the radio the other day, and I was like, wow, this did not age well. Yeah. At all. At all. It's it's bad. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um... ZZ Top. But, anyways, um, sorry, I... What the fuck well... even is a ZZ Top? <laughs> I don't know! Anyways, what I was trying to say is that, yes, both cis women and trans women have low voices, and that does not make them any less feminine. Um, I mean, I want to, I mean, I am trying to voice train or at least attempting to, um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I have voice dysphoria, but you know, there's meanwhile, my approach to gender is, (laughs) I mean, look, if Chris Pratt can get away with doing minimal voice training in the Mario movie, then so can I. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Anyways, Chris Pratt's Mario voice is truly godly. (laughs) Look, honestly, I think it's fine. I think he sounds fine. Um, anyways. This is not a Mario. We'll do that in the Mario episode, because I know you're going to make me watch that fucking movie. Oh, yeah, we'll do it with the 93 movie. It'll be fun. Uh- <laughs> ah! 
That actually sounds like a lot of fun. I would love to see uh, Dennis. Who is the bad guy in that? That's the, yeah, Dennis Hopper as as Cooper. Dennis Hopper from Blue Velvet. Hell yeah, absolutely. I'd oh love to God. watch that. Mario, yeah. Mario, and Luigi, Mario. Anyway, what did you think? I'm of sorry, the rest we, of we, rational we got off I'm on sorry. a tangent. Of, uh, we got off on dipper? a tangent. I'm sorry. Okay, so then Mario we double we are, dipping. We are also introduced to Pacifica Northwest. That bitch. Um, it's a joke because they're in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, they they get they, they redeem her later, but for the time being, fuck Pacifica. All my homies hate Pacifica. She I a bitch. ship Dipsifica. That's true. I do ship Dipsifica, but or Pipper, whatever you call it. No, it's Dipsifica. It's Dipsif. Why not Pipper? Because Pipper sounds Pipper sounds like a very unfortunate thing. Pipper, Pipper. I feel like I it ship sounds... Pipper. Mm. It's, it's anyways Pacifica. um anyways uh yeah I, I i but i don't ship them until later when pacifica becomes a good character <laughs> right now she's just kind of a bitch um yeah but i do like how mabel's just like nice meeting you she's going down um <laughs> yeah and then he decide. then of course we get into the main clone thing where dipper you know he makes the first call it's like i'll call you my number two that's not it you know what name i always wanted Tyrone. <laughs> Tyrone. <laughs> Tyrone. Um, and you know, the clones being more faded, and let and I think this is the point where we should talk about the single greatest character in all of Gravity Falls, Paper Jam Dipper. Oh yeah, but, this reminded me a lot of uh of Sponge what what's the SpongeBob? Doodle Bob. Doodle Bob, yeah. Yeah, the, this is sort of Dipper's version of Doodle Bob. The tragedy of yeah, Paper the tragedy, Jam Dipper. Paper this, Jam this, Dipper this that wants to die. Soul. And when he and when he dies, he's like, dies. You like the subtitles like it's better this way for Paper Jam Dipper. <laughs> like, yes. So, how many clone copies of Dipper would you give this one out okay. of ten? Um. Anyways, all right. So other things I like. Uh, Just gonna dodge the question. Them stealing the. You know you can't rush me, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the two clones that steal the bike. Uh, that steal Robbie's bike. That's fun. Um, we at Hipster like... and the Nerd definitely recommend and endorse bike theft. <laughs> if it if it's if you're stealing the bikes from assholes, yes, um, just like the movie Bicycle Thieves. I don't know, I haven't seen that film. That's a film. Yes, it is. Oh, it's okay. Critically acclaimed. Anyway, what else did you like about this um, episode? I liked Stan uh, them them luring Stan away with a twenty dollar bill, and even Alex Hirsch admits in the commentary like this was kind of a cheap joke. And that we were kind of admitting that Grunkle Stan is basically Mr. Krabs, but we all found it funny anyway, so we kept him in. <laughs> yes. Like, I I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I like how Dipper and Wendy sort of have a little bonding moment where Dipper shares his, uh, his where, you know, Wendy talks about how she was the tallest one in her family and that made her kind of ostracized. Um, and how Dipper has a birthmark of the Big Dipper, and that's where he got his nickname. Uh, because Dipper is, in fact, a nickname. We do know what his real name is because of... Don't tell me. Oh, I, I'm not supposed to say it? Don't, don't tell me. Say. No. I don't... It's, the, right. it's he who should not be named. All right. But not transphobic. I won't... I won't... Fine. I, I won't... I won't say it. But you can... But if you want to know what it is, you can read <laughs> all about it in Journal 3. There's a there's a nice little moment where they reveal it. Um, that's Daniel. It's not Daniel. Is it Tyrone? It's not Tyrone. Is it Tyrion? No, it's not Tyrion. What is it? You want me to say it? Yes. It's Mason. Oh, don't say it! Oh, oh <laughs> goddammit. Oh, he's a mace? Why didn't he just nickname himself Mace? 
I don't. I don't think That's he a cool gave. Name. I don't Makes... think he gave himself the nickname because I think Dipper. people people made fun of him for his birthmark and he reclaimed it. I think is the mm. idea. Okay. Um, so. So what else did you like in this big dip in episode? So um, I like the clone fight. And they all yes. start punching each other. It's like, why am I hitting myself? Why am I hitting myself? Although before that, I like when the clones are like gracious because they capture original Dipper. They're like, yes. you can't keep me in here forever. I have nothing to eat. So, you know, I can't breathe in here. Yes, you can. There's also snacks and a coloring book in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I find that fun. And then like, like, Guys, classic Dipper's getting away! No, friends. It's me, number seven. <laughs> that's not me! That's not me! <laughs> yes. Um, so, fun. how many clone Dippers would you give this out of ten? Uh, what are your overall thoughts? Pacifica steals the win with capitalism. Fuck capitalism. Yes. Uh, but Mabel makes new friends, and Dipper, Ty Dipper and Tyrone... Have a little bonding moment on the roof where Dipper realizes he should just stop getting his own getting in his own way and talk to people like a normal person. Um, but then Tyrone dies. R.I.P. Tyrone. And there's a little credits gag with keyboard sound effects and uh, this uh, and press F to pay respects for Tyrone. Yeah. And all right. Lastly, uh, okay. So two things. I already mentioned the main commentary track, but uh, Double Dipper is one of the episodes on the Blu-ray that actually has a secret commentary track Ooh. that is done by Jason Ritter, the voice of Dipper. Um, by the way, Dipper is voiced by Jason Ritter very, very well. Um, mm -hmm. Continuing to highlight voice actors, and I won't spoil what happens in it, but it's genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> like, <laughs> just. The way it progresses mm -hmm. is amazing. So everyone should uh, go listen to that if mm -hmm. you if you ha own the Gravity Falls Complete Series Blu-ray. But you should because it All is right. a and how many collection. And this, clone dippers would you give this out of 10? And finally, uh, I would like to point out that this episode's cryptogram is Paper Jam Dipper says, <laughs> um, But anyways, I would probably give this um, uh, 9 out of 10... Dipper clones? Like, it's a really great mm. concept. There's a lot of fun detailing, great gags. Um, I will say, like, the Mabel subplot could have been fleshed out a little bit more, but uh, overall still really enjoyable time. Really, uh, right. definitely. Now we move on to the episode Irrational Treasure. In okay. Irrational Treasure, this one's written by John Zeoshima. This one it has a story by David Slack, although he did not slack on this story. Teleplayed by Alex Hirsch and Tim McCown. And it premiered August 17th, 2012, production code 108 to 3.87 million viewers. In Irrational Treasure, on the annual Pioneer Day at Gravity Falls, the kids discover that the town's founder was a fraud and a hoax, so they set out to expose the truth. They also are trying to expose Pacifica Northwest's fraudulent claim that her great-grandfather was the founder of Gravity Falls. And meanwhile, Mabel tries to prove that she can be serious, but learns that silliness is actually the greatest thing in the world. Uh, Sheriff Blubs and Deputy Durlin go after them to try and stop the secret from being revealed. However, they come across the eighth and a half president who was covered up for and re replaced with William Henry Harrison, who was a president who, of course, died within 30 days. And <laughs> William and the eighth and a half president, uh, I think his name is Quentin Tremblay. Yes is the silliest president of all time. He appointed six babies to the Supreme Court, which is, fr quite frankly, a 
optimal situation than Honestly, what we have it's now. Honestly, it's still better than the current Supreme Court. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> bazing, that's a timely political joke. Yeah, the, the, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'll say this now, like, when Alex heard, because uh, they recorded the commentaries in 2018, and, and mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, Alex Hurst brings up with the commentaries, you know, a president too silly, and just, you know, president too silly to be, a person too silly to be president. This was a funny thing at the time, and not just the real world, so please bear with us. <laughs> like... Yes, uh, and he was encased in peanut brittle for several decades or centuries or something and the cops follow them through their series of different uh puzzles and stuff and each puzzle is solved by mabel being silly which is of course the reason why she needs to learn that being silly is good and that pacific northwest is a bitchy bitch total bitch and uh, she doesn't get a redemption arc till the last three episodes if i remember correctly and yeah well it, it sort of starts in like Anyways. In season two, but yeah. Um. Anyways, so, uh, and then the cops find them, and they get transported in a secret government box, and uh, Mabel starts eating the peanut brittle, and the eighth and a half president is unleashed, and he eventually gets out, they try and have an escape, they get caught by the cops, but then, using his presidential powers, the eighth and a half president says, I'm still the president technically, because I never <laughs> resigned. <laughs> And I that's not how the Constitution works. jumped out the window. <laughs> that's not how the Constitution works, but that's fine. Meanwhile, also, 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 our runner for the episode, or our B-plot, is that uh, Stan Pines, Grunkle Stan, has been put in stocks for uh, insulting the medieval, not medieval, the The, the, the village, Pioneer Day. The Pioneer Day cosplayers. And Lil' Gideon comes by and smashes his face with tomatoes. And, yeah, that's the episode, basically. And, uh, yeah, I thought this one was really great. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I enjoyed it going into, like, the secret history element, really relying on that inspiration from the secret history of Twin Peaks and the other Mark Frost books with its bizarro silliness. But then again, it is also just a lot, like, it's very funny. It's very weird. I enjoyed the the adventurous style it had of like trying to figure out this global this national conspiracy i thought that was a lot of fun so yeah overall a rational treasure i think it's a fantastic episode i'm gonna give this one nine peanut brittles out of ten so now we take it over to our resident presidential hopeful callie callie please tell us why you're running for president in 2024 well if i am elected president um i will eliminate all student debt immediately mm-hmm. i will defund the police um mm-hmm. i will give all of the trans people free hormones um and free and free blow high free ikea sharks for for all trans people um mm-hmm. and i will also um i will also implement universal health care and um i and uh and uh and I will I will arrest the person who invented the skip intro button. I see on what on what charges? <laughs> on the charges of of, of ruining television. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, what was your thoughts on this episode, Irrational Treasure? Irrational and... Treasure, I thought was a fantastic episode. I I really enjoy this one. Um, so it's got a really you know great character balance of both you know Dipper and Mabel. Um, and you know we get the whole Pioneer Day. 
celebration and apparently it used to be legal to marry woodpeckers so we see yes. a guy who get married to a woodpecker like we're not going south for the winter <laughs> our home is here <laughs> <laughs> yes. um i also like how the the blubs and derlin just get super into it it's like ring 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 help ring, police ring. my purse Hello. ring 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 <laughs> yes um because uh, also Pacifica is here again, being a bitch, because she is the supposed I'm town founder. I'm a founders. bitch. I'm, I'm a lover. lover. <laughs> uh, the town founder's great great granddaughter. Um, and Mabel. Her and all... Amity are like two sides of the same coin. True though, it's true though. Yep. So so it really do be like that. So uh, uh, you know the Gravity Falls Owl House crossovers be like you know yeah I used to be a bitch until I found myself you know like a geeky partner. Um. So how how are you doing, Pacifica? And then she and then Pacifica glares over. Pacifica at Northwest is Amity's straight alternate, like her her straight like her straight dual image like her yeah. her you know her otherworldly self. Yeah. It's like. Wow, so this is what it was. So Amity just be like, wow, so this is what it would be like if I was straight. Yep. Man, sucks. glad I'm not dealing with that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> hey, Lucy, what else again? did you like about the episode? <laughs> Anyways, sorry, I got off on a tangent there. Um, uh, all right, so, and you know, this episode is all about Mabel feeling insecure about not being taken seriously and being too silly. So they go. I like I like all her sweaters and how she's like, oh, but I, I I shouldn't wear this sweater anymore. And then Dipper's like, but you love that sweater. She's <laughs> like, I know, I do. It's yeah. very good. I also it's love great. the nacho earrings. That's Mabel fun. is Mabel is a really fun character to watch because she's extremely wholesome and just very chipper, and it, it works as a great foil to Dipper because Dipper himself is a very anxious character. He's a bundle of nerves and and worriedness and confusion and plots and conspiracies, you know. Yes. And uh, sexual confusion. So yeah. <laughs> I lo- you slipped that one in there at the very end. Uh... Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's. Uh, oh, um, for, oh right, Wendy. I, for some reason. I... <laughs> no, of course I mean Wendy. Yeah. What do you think I meant? For some reason, I I, I misinterpreted sexual confusion as gender confusion, and I thought we were getting into the trans and canons again. No, I meant. Well, I feel I feel like sexual. I it also refers to how he feels about his own gender. At yeah. least that's what I meant. What I what I meant when I said that. Anyway, yeah. please continue. Anyways. But yeah, I I wanted to point that out. The, the very nice dynamic that they have. It's a great set of characters to build a show around i agree um uh anyways back to this episode um i think stan and the stocks is a lot of fun um and you know they find out nathaniel northwest maybe wasn't the real founder so they go to investigate at the library and i like how old man mcgucket encourages the children to eat the books um <laughs> and you know she she folds the map into a hat to to mabel mabel does and they mm-hmm. they figure it out it's like like because cause, cause Dipper wanted to, like, set it on fire to reveal the best. It's like, oh, you folded it into a hat and found a map. And I was going to burn it. <laughs> and they, yes. they, they go to the, the museum. It's like, we got we to gotta break in. Ba-dum! Ba-dum! Mm-hmm. All right, here are your free Pioneer Day passes and your mm-hmm. balloons. Blue and pink. Mm-hmm. We're in. <laughs> yes, that, that's a great joke. I love. And then they, you know, they figured out because they, they, they turned to the, the you know, 
Mabel turns herself upside down, and it turns out the painting is upside down. That leads them to the next clue. And I also, because Blubs and Derlin are following them this entire time. And I just love the bit where the lady at the museum is like, Oh, I'm sorry, we're all, but we're all out of pink balloons. Why did we even come? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I like the bit when Stan is in the stocks and Pacific's like, you know, I'll let you out if, if you know, if you admit that the Northwest family is the best family in Gravity Falls. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, sure, you want that in writing? And then, you know, he writes the thing. We don't see it, but it's definitely something profane. And he's like, ha, mm-hmm. I did that with my mouth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then they find the seat. And then no, Dippy's we do like, actually see it. He's, oh. He writes down, you stink. Or oh, you yeah, suck. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, my come bad. on, Callie. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, I, get up I'm, on your get up on your lore. I'm too used to out of context compilations. <laughs> yes. Uh, so then, different Mabel find a secret passage, and they see mm. all these secrets about America, about how it turns out that Ben Franklin secretly was a woman. Ah, good for her. That um, means that she was having lots of lesbian affairs because Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was fucked. a horn. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin is a trans lesbian. <laughs> to quote The Office, wow, Benjamin Franklin, you're actually kind of a sleazeball. <laughs> yes. Benjamin Franklin, trans lesbian icon. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyway, so then we Benji. meet. <laughs> so then. We get to the Quinton Trembley, the eight and a half president, and the mm-hmm. real founder of Gravity Falls, because so named because he, he fell down a hole. Um, yes. And Quentin was considered too silly to be the president. He's like, you know, like, the only thing we have to fear are giant man-eating spiders. Yes. And they, you know, he encased himself in peanut brittle that apparently worked because he's still alive. And he's like, and he helps them out. It's like, he tries to get them out of the box. Wood, my age-old <laughs> enemy. And they try to, like, fit in the tiny hole. Trust the silliness. And then the woodpecker destroys <laughs> the box. And I like how Quinn is immediately like, Well, we couldn't fit in the hole. Let's rebuild the box and try again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then, you know, me, you know, through uh, Trembley's presidential authority, he saves them and allows Blubs and Derlin to take a delightful vacation. Uh... To, to Great Lakes, Michigan, to, to go to that uh, water park. Good for them. Um, <laughs> and yes, and uh, <laughs> I, I like how he appoints Mabel an official U.S. congressman. Uh, mm-hmm. Good. Honestly, yeah. We could use Mabel yeah. on Congress, um, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, and he gives uh, Dipper the president's key, which can open any lock in America. And apparently Alex Hirsch always wanted to bring that back, but never could. So yeah. yeah, so that he was gonna do something with that, but it just never worked out. And mm. we also, um, you know, Mabel is now officially proud to be silly, and she mm-hmm. decides she's not gonna get revenge on Pacifica after all. But Dipper's like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do this." Hey, Pacifica, your entire family is a sham. Wow, revenge is underrated. That felt awesome. <laughs> yes, I love that. And then we have to give a mean win here because Quentin's like. They'll always be here on the negative twelve dollar bill. <laughs> Whoa, this is worthless, and, mm. and which I love. But people always forget in the meme. People always forget the best part of that scene, which is Quentin's response. It's less than worthless, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. And 
This also has what might be my favorite credits gag in the entire series, where he goes to the baby Supreme Court. It's like, you know, like, oh, so, I see, but who would you have replaced me? Mama. That old crow? <laughs> <laughs> Chief Justice Nub Nub, you're spinning all over yourself. This is, this is a dark day for America. <laughs> and, uh... <coughs> Pardon me. All right, and before we get to final thoughts, cryptograms. Uh, the main credits cryptogram is E Pluribus Trembly. But also, um, on the negative twelve, which is of course bill, Latin. Yes, it's a Pur- reference to e pluribus unum. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and but also uh, other uh, cryptogram. So the serial number on the negative twelve dollar bill is Z zero two three nine five four eight six zero four Z. After grouping the numbers into pairs and then adding up the sums of the digits within those pairs, you get two twelve nine fourteen four, which translates into blind. An early clue as to the existence of the Society of the Blind Eye, which will be an important mm. plot point in season two. Yeah, they were see- planting the seeds. Yep. All yeah. right. Um, so overall, and- how many, uh, how many irrational, tra- how many uh, prenup riddles would you give this one out of ten? Overall, overall I would, thoughts. I think I would say overall, I would give this ten out of ten peanut riddles. It's just you know, what? great gags, really fun lore. You know, That's crazy. really great character stuff, just all around. <laughs> Excellent package. You know, all right. Well, now we move one. on to the Time Traveler's Pig. This one was directed by Joe Pitt and Aaron Springer, and was written by Alex Hirsch and Ari Wallington. Premiered August twenty fourth, twenty twelve. Production code one hundred five to point four one four million viewers. So in the time traveling pig, Dipper ruins a chance to impress Wendy at a fair, forcing him to use a time machine to travel back and stop it from happening. And then in the second synopsis, it says, Dipper uses Time Traveler Blended Blandon's time machine to undo ruining his attempt to impress Wendy at a fair, but accidentally changes history for the worse, especially for Mabel. In the end credits, Blendon time travels to three scenes from earlier Gravity Falls episodes wherein he is actually included. Fun facts. Yeah. Dipper's wish come true when he steals a Time Traveler's time machine to undo a mistake and win Wendy over while Mabel accompanied him to keep her winning pig, Waddles, the best pig in the world. Until when Dipper finally undoes his mistake, Mabel loses her pig to her nemesis, Pacifica Northwest. Elsewhere, Stan rigs a dunk tank to scam the town. So yeah, this is a great episode. I really enjoy the introduction of Waddles the Pig. Waddles the Pig is a great pig. I really enjoyed Blendon Blandon, the uh, time traveler voiced by Zach, what's his name? From Steven Universe. What? It's not... That's not... Oh, him. wait. Is it Morty? Yes, it's Justin Roiland. Oh! It's Justin Roiland. It's, okay. Yeah. This was, Confusion. like, right around the same time as Levin Grab as well. So this was, like, early Justin Roiland. This was when he was, you know, just getting a start. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I really enjoy the fair. And the, basically what happens is... Wendy wants this one stuffed animal and Dipper comes over to try and get it from one of those, you know, game things where you hit the ball against a bunch yeah, yes, of uh, yes. things. And it appears that they're, him hitting her in the eye is a fixed point in time unless Mabel helps him out, which she eventually does, but in the meantime can't get her pig. And since her pig now is being taken uh, by Pacifica Northwest... They get into a fight and end up going back in time into the future where there is a time baby. The time baby shows up at the end credits. Uh, 
And yeah, overall, it, and then also we go back in time to one interesting thing, which is uh, we get to see a young uh, Grunkle Stan. Yes. Very interesting. And uh, we get to see dinosaurs, stuff like that. Blendon Blandon is eventually pissed, getting uh, pissed off that they're fucking with his time machine so much, which is basically just like a, a, a ruler. And yeah, it's a me- measuring tape, yeah. Measuring tape. And he gets basically arrested by the time council, not the one from Loki. I was I was gonna his... point out it's 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 very it's it's very strange time to cops. me that the, the the time police in this are more or less like Blendon Blandon's job and you know the time cops who later arrest him. It's more or less the same thing as the TVA and Loki, <laughs> which is really just another version of the CIA, the Celestial Intelligence Agency from the Big Finish Doctor Who audio dramas. I'm bringing in the hipster references right there. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Time Traveler's pig. Uh, and then Dipper, of course, eventually realizes, hey, I need to let uh, Mabel have this pig, even if it means that, you know, Wendy is going to start dating that asshole Robbie. Uh, because after she gets hit in the face of the ball every time, Robbie's like, hey, I got something to ask you. And then they start dating and go down the tunnel of love. So, yeah. Overall, I think this is a great episode. It's uh, It shows how Dipper cares for Mabel over everything. Even, you know, sometimes to do what's right, you have to go steady and sacrifice even your dreams, you know, like that. Yeah. Even though Wendy and Dipper was never going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, like no, like even in the even in the universe where where it doesn't hit her in the face and they do go down the tunnel, it doesn't seem like she's interested in him at all. <laughs> so I don't think that's I don't think that is a viable future in any multiverse. I mean, uh, what I okay, like I will mm-hmm. say, even though I love this episode and I think the lesson is very strong, what I don't get is why couldn't in the in the one future where Dipper did win. Why couldn't Mabel have just gone to get the pig first and then done the plan? Like, uh, because the plan was time sensitive, you see. Because at the point when Dipper throws the ball, exactly at that point is when Mabel is picking up the pig. Yeah, but it would take two seconds for him to no, get, it, no, to because get models. Like, you would have to go further back in time. And if you pick up the pig, that creates a whole new series of events that undoes the, the, uh, I think, I think if you pick up the pig beforehand, that would undo the conditions necessary for the plan to work in the instance where they throw the baseball. Hmm. Mm. Or, you know, it's just, it's timey-wimey nonsense <laughs> bullshit, so don't think too hard about it, Callie. That's it's fine. just a show, you should probably just relax. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. And uh, Stan finally gets dunked also. So yeah, this is a fantastic episode. I'm going to give this one 9 out of 10 Waddles. Uh, mostly because Waddle is an amazing pig. Definitely a 10 out of 10 pig. And also I just love how this episode explores uh, the Dipper and Mabel uh, siblinghood. So yeah, now I take it over to our resident pig hater, Callie. Uh, Callie loves eating bacon. And uh, revels in the fact that that means that pigs have died. Okay, look, I I love, I do love bacon. You got that part right. But, like, you know, that doesn't mean I'm happy that the pigs died. Callie has personally told me that Babe Pig in the City is her favorite movie because it makes her hungry. I haven't seen Babe Pig in the City. (laughs) Callie has told me that Charlotte's Web was too nice to the pig. (laughs) What? Why 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 do you keep making me look bad? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't know. It's just a. It's just. It's my. It's my transition joke. So, Callie, now that we've established that you actually are not a pig hater, what did you think of the Time Traveler's Pig? I thought the Time Traveler's Pig was another fantastic episode. So, but what did you think of Waddles? Waddles is wonderful. Yeah, he's a, he's a beautiful pig. Ten out of ten, deserves the world. Um. We should forfeit all mortal 10. possessions to, to, to the Waddles. Um, yes, I agree. Uh, <laughs> waddles communism. Waddles Im- immunism. Oink, 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 oink. <laughs> yes. Um, so, all right. All right. So this it may epi- have been a bit of a darker transition, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. So anyways, so this episode... Um, uh, you know, obviously Stan has put on an incredibly cheap fare in behind the mystery shack. And I like how he's like, well, there's no cops. If, when there's no cops around, anything's legal. <laughs> That's what I say every day. That's my driving motto. Yeah, an- another meme win. Um, yes. I also enjoyed the question mark corn dogs that they serve. And even they question how they got into that shape. You know, when the answer is probably they just made a slightly curvy corn dog. And then made a very mm. small corn dog that's shaped like a dot and just put them on the same steak. That's yes. That's the reason. <laughs> hate to hate to burst your bubble. Um. Anyways, uh, I also wrote in my notes. Uh, here, fuck Robbie. All my homies hate Robbie. Um, okay, so Robbie's really weird in retrospect, considering that he's literally jealous over a twelve-year-old. Yes. And I and that's like the most insecure thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Also, the dude's kind of an asshole. <laughs> he is also an asshole, but yeah. like, it's a little sad we didn't get to see any Robbie Demption, honestly. Well, I mean, the Rob Demption, if we, you will. We sort of get it in the second season, um, a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, um, if I remember correctly, we get some, we get some yeah. Rob Demption. Um, so, anyways, uh, and you know, Rob Waddles <laughs> the shows up, Demption. and I like how Mabel is like. Everything is different now. <laughs> yes. Um. But then you know the incident with Dipper happens, and Wendy ends up going out with Robbie. Um. And we meet Blendon Blandon, the time traveler, Justin Roiland. Great. And I I like how his Justin the Blendon Blandon's whole thing is just he puts the word time in front of everything at random. Point. You shut your time mouth. <laughs> yes. I. I enjoy that. So then we get into the whole time travel uh, montage as Dipper tries all the bunch of different scenarios to try and avoid hitting Wendy in the eye and none of them work. And meanwhile, Mabel is just enjoying her time with Waddles. And I like how the the second time she goes, because the first time she goes to win the pig, it's just like, it's like, are you a witch? Uh, the, the guy goes. And the, and the second time. When they time travel, she's like, and yes, I am a witch. And the, and the guy is just like, well, time to round up the mob. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so so that's fun. I do love the moment during the time travel montage where, like, at one point, there's an entire sack of balls falls on Wendy's face. And, you know, Robbie, as, as, he, takes, as he takes Wendy aside, just, like, is shaking his head no. <laughs> like, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... I enjoy that. But, you know, eventually Dipper does win, but in the process, Mabel loses Waddles, and, you know, it's a fixed point that in time. That is a price too steep, that even. Only one of those events can happen, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then 
Dipper and Mabel do some more time travel, and they go to the Oregon Trail. It's like, who wants dysentery? They actually, <laughs> um, think that's fun. And she invents the high five. Um, and you know, there's some there's some more time travel to all sorts of different places, including previous episodes of the of mm-hmm. the show. And if you'll notice, if you go back and watch those episodes, Blendon Blandon is in fact in the background at various points. Ah. This is a payoff to that. Um, Definitely something I noticed. I've um, seen this show before and I still didn't notice it. <laughs> There's so many details. There's so many. Um, so many things going on. Yeah. Every frame. So many things going on. Yes. Uh, and I like uh, like the, you know, the gag. It's just like, you know, Waddle, he was my soulmate. You said that about a ball of yarn once. <laughs> But it turns out that Mabel was feeling some genuine despair. Mabel will literally bl- knock her head against a totem pole for months just to prove a point. <laughs> <laughs> and, here, and here we see miserable Mabel, the girl, who's, girl who went crazy after her dreams were shattered by some heartless jerk. Oh, hi, Dipper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, tr- it's mm-hmm. true. Why you gotta be like that, Dipper? It was never going to work well, out Dipper, with you and Wendy Dipper anyway. eventually changes his <laughs> motto. So yes. it, it all works out in the end. So Kelly, That's true. What and are they... your overall thoughts on the direction this episode <laughs> takes with these characters? What do you think about that? And like how it uh, shows what Dipper's <laughs> priorities are. <clears throat> Sorry, I needed some water. Um, yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> I like how Dipper ultimately, you know, he comes around on it. It's like, it's like, you know, all right. And I, I like how, you know, when he finally does this, you know, he says to Wendy, I, you know, I want you to know that everyone makes mistakes and also that tight pants are overrated. Um, and, yes. you know, he makes that sacrifice. Splendid gets arrested. Stan gets dunked. And then uh, Robbie's tight pants shrink due to the help of Waddles. And Robbie is humiliated. That'll do, pig. Yes. That'll do. So and we also get Time of... Baby. We get introduced yes, we to time, time Baby in the credits. And uh, the cryptogram for this episode, decoded, reads, not H.G. Wells approved. Of course, a reference to the famous book, The Time Machine, written by H.G. Wells. So what do you think of this episode overall, and how many waddles would you give it out of 10? I think this episode is a, is a fantastic episode. You know, great sort of use of time travel. Love Blendon Blandon. Love the introduction of waddles. I think the carnival setting is a lot of fun, and... You know, I think it's a good lesson for all of the, the characters involved, particularly Dipper, to, you know, be like, hey, maybe, you know, don't be a selfish dick. You know, that's a... that, And, you know, maybe this is not worth Mabel losing her pig. You know? Mm-hmm. Maybe think about that. Yes. Um, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Ten out of ten Waddleses. All right. Uh, so now we yeah. move on to Gravity Falls Fight Fighters. In this episode, Dipper is getting annoyed with Robbie when he accidentally breaks his cell phone, and Robbie then challenges Dipper in a fight. By the way, this episode is directed by John Zaoshima, and it was written by Alex Hirsch and Zach Paez, and it was originally aired September 14th, 2012, production code 110. And in this episode, Dipper is getting annoyed with Robbie when he accidentally breaks his cell phone, and Robbie then challenges Dipper to a fight. Scared Dipper finds a mystery... That brings a character from an arcade game back to life, Rumble McSkirmish, which is, of course, a reference or sort of satire on Street Fighter. 
but then realizes he must stop him before he kills Robbie. I liked all the jokes in this about uh, the character in the video game about his dead father. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mabel tries to cure Grunkelstan of his fear of heights and uh, ends up getting a fear of heights of her own and ends up actually actually curing his fear of heights, which is interesting. Uh, they go to the fight and he gets Rumble McSkirmish to try and fight for him, because this is basically a Gravity Falls-inspired remake of 3 O'Clock High. And then what happens is Rumble McSkirmish almost fucking murders Robbie, and he says, No, wait, I'm actually the one that did the wrong thing, and my dad didn't actually die. And he's like, But if that, that, that happened, then you must be my enemy. And then uh, he uh, beats him up. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. That's it. And then the game ends, and he's like, no, I'm dying now. And then Robbie's like, bro, you just almost fucking killed me. The fuck? The fuck? And then he's like, all right, bro, you can punch me in the face. And then Robbie's like, it's not fun if you aren't in, in, not enjoying it. It's only fun if you run away, piece of shit. And then <laughs> and then uh, Dipper's like, hey, hey, bud, hey, 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 dude, uh, bro. Why, why don't we come to a truce and hate each other in secret like the ladies do? <laughs> and Robbie's like, I that's cool with me, but stay out of my dank weed stash. <laughs> yeah. So that's the episode. Fight Fighters, I think, is a pretty good episode. I'm going to give this one 7.5 pixels out of 10. Uh, overall, I think it's a great episode. It does kind of establish the Robbie-Dipper uh, subplot of their rivalry coming to a Cold War conclusion, which I think is nice. Uh, again, it is another Dipper-likes-Wendy episode, which I feel like that was the last episode also, and they may be doing a little bit much yeah. of that. I think Alex, Alex Hirsch even admits in the commentaries that, especially when they went into Season 2, they were very conscious about, you know... You know, you know, people talking about, oh, it's another Dipper Likes Wendy episode, or it's a, or it's another Mabel Has a Crush episode, and they were very conscious of season two, and when they went into season two, to be like, okay, maybe let's try no. to not do as much of those. <laughs> like, <laughs> But where it uh, lacks in uh, sort of breaking up the structure of the show, it makes up for in really innovative and fun usage of pixel animation, with the uh, Rumble McSkirmish character. And uh, also, uh, Seuss gets stuck inside an arcade cabinet, so that's yes. a lot of fun. So I'm going to give this one 7.5 pixels out of 10, and now we take it over to our resident uh, Pixels fan, Callie, who, uh, of course, uh, the film by Adam Sandler, <sighs> Pixels, is her favorite movie. Stop so, putting Callie, words in my mouth. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. So, Callie, what did you think of Fight Fighters and Let's Fighting Love? Let's fighting love. <laughs> Let's fighting love. That's like the one thing I, I don't want South Park. I just know the song. Um. Anyways, uh, I love Fight Fighters. This is like one of my personal favorites, just because I'm a bit of a of a fighting game person. I'm not good at them, but I I enjoy them greatly. So I really love all of the jokes here. You know, the Rumble McSkirmish character is great. You know, they actually got a pixel animator to do these uh paul robertson who also designed the sprites for the scott pilgrim game um, ah i also like the uh joke about his neutral animation where dipper says stand still and he's like yeah, this is as still, this is as, as, still I can stay. as i can stay <laughs> that's a good one I yeah enjoyed that. i i love that so you know this episode opens of course with uh you know dipper and wendy at the arcade well they're all at the arcade and dipper and wendy are playing the fighting game they're playing fight fighters and then Robbie is all like, hey, I'm her boyfriend. 
so I'm gonna do this now. Like, hey, you want to come to my show, Wendy? I play guitar because I'm, I'm definitely not a, t- I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a poser because I play guitar. That means I'm deep. Hey, Wendy, do you want to come to my, uh, <laughs> do you want to come to my jazz fusion shoegaze band performance tonight? <laughs> It's so gonna I, be great. It's gonna have black and metal inspiration. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Robbie challenges Dipper to a fight, but Dipper decides to hide in the arcade. Um, and meanwhile, uh, the you know the Mabel and Stan fear of heights subplot subplot kicks off with one of my favorite jokes. Where it's like, you know, Stan, why don't you have any ladders? Here? You know, studies show that keeping a ladder in the house is more dangerous than a loaded gun. That's why I own ten guns. That's a, that is my favorite joke of the, of the first ten episodes that I saw. That one really made me laugh. In case a maniac tries to sneak in a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the best joke. I, I love that joke, but uh, my favorite joke of these first ten, and honestly one of my favorite jokes possibly ever, actually comes up a little bit later. Um, so, uh, Dipper brings Rubble Mixervish to life, and you know he has the really sharp pixels, and I love the pixel animation, and. So, first of all, um, I love is like, he's looking for the power-ups. Like, you know, oh, I have a taco. Place it on the floor! <laughs> and then he picks it up. And then my favorite joke is, you know, he's like, Rumble's like, Now I must defeat the world's greatest fight fighters! Take me to the Soviet Union! That's gonna <laughs> be tough. For a number of reasons. <laughs> I don't know, with Putin, Putining it up. Oh, know, that's, that's true, that's by. true. But yeah, did that... That joke has always made me laugh so <laughs> fucking hard. I love that line. I love Take that line me so to much. The Soviet Union. Poop, poop and butts. <laughs> I just love everything that comes out of Rumble Mixing Gervish's mouth. It's it's so good. Who killed your father? Like and then he and killed then your he, father. And then he killed your father. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and then I like how you know they're walking. You the know street. what? I'm, I'm I'm upping my rating. This is an eight out of ten pixels. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, he, like, Rumble pulls out the pipe, and Dipper's just like, this street has really dangerous litter. <laughs> yes. They, you know, they go to the fight. It's like, Robbie's like, oh, you've got someone to fight for? He's like, how could you laugh when you killed this boy's father? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and then, you know, Rumble threatens to kill Robbie. There's a Donkey Kong homage. Or, yes. You know, they go on the bill. And then I also barrels. like when um, he decides that he has to fight Dipper, or he finds out that Dipper lied to him. He's like, my sensei always told me to do what was right. Yes, uh, I love that. I also love the the big beat em up go arrow that pops <laughs> up on the screen. I thought he has that to was wait fun. until the arrow tells him to go. Yes, yeah, yes, good. I love that. And they also Side destroy the car. Works. You know, a reference to you know the Street Fighter two, like you know between stage mini game. Um, yes, and you know they they bring. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Mabel brings Stan to the water tower to help with the fear of heights and and just kind just of like in the last. Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, and I, I like how uh, you can hide, but you cannot hide. <laughs> yes. And I like how when Dipper finally confronts Rumble, he he holds the two black bars over his face, like the yes. like the like the arcade cats. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So overall, what do you what are your overall thoughts on this episode? Okay, uh, other things that other things I enjoy um, uh, is you know the Rumble Dipper fight where you know they bring in the health bars and it's like you fight like a girl. Who is also a baby, <laughs> and they have to they have to figure out his ult. It's like, oh, look up! I have no looking up. 
animation. And then he just lays flat on the ground. And then he just, you know, Dipper just lets him beat the shit out of him. But that's that's what ends the game. And that's what makes yes, Rumble yes, disappear. Yes, yes. It's a very clever, yes, yes, clever yes. twist. Um, yes. Game over, old friend. I also like how it ends with that, like, ridiculously long combo name. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Which apparently, according to Alex Hurst, was meant as like a Power Rangers homage because when he was a kid, they kept introducing new versions of Power Rangers with increasingly ridiculous subtitles, and they still do it. It's still yes. going. <laughs> so, Callie, what are your um, overall thoughts on this episode? So, and how many pixels would you give it out of ten? So, other things <laughs> that I <laughs> you can't rush me. Um, so, uh, Mabel gets afraid of heights afterwards and then you know wendy shows up and it's like oh are you guys fighting i hate it when guys fight and they're like oh no we were trying to stop two other guys <laughs> from fighting and then robbie and dipper agree to their cold war to hate each other in secret like girls do um but yeah. i mean i am not socially out in the real world so i have yet to personally experience this but my um, experience of interacting with women is that this that is a thing that happens there are yes. there are women who will be super nice to each other and then like as soon as they're alone just be like i hate that fucking so what was the cryptogram so at the end of the episode so um anyways um there's a there's a really fun mario there's a really fun mario 2 usa homage in the credits with the sprite mm-hmm. characters i thought that was fun like I, i'm slow but i jump higher um i thought and the cryptogram for this is Sorry, Dipper, but your Wendy is in another castle, which of course is a reference ah, to, reference to, to Super, the Mario Super Mario Super Mario Brothers, which yeah. now has a movie with Chris Super, Pratt. The Super Mario Brothers, a movie. Anyway, Callie, what did you? What were your overall thoughts on the episode, and how many pixels would you give it out? I would give this episode a ten out of ten pixels. I absolutely love this episode. Oh wait, wait, how many bits would you give it out of eight? I would give it eight bits out of eight. Ooh, okay. or maybe even sixteen bits. Ooh, 16 bits. thirty-two bits. Thirty-two bits. We can't go up 64 to sixty-four bits. In, oh, oh, can we go up to sixty-four? Because it's not in three D. Yes, the Atari Jaguar, the Nintendo, the uh, Nintendo sixty-four. Mm, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but this isn't in three D though. So mm. Mm. anyway, what were what were your overall thoughts and how many pixels would you give it or bits out of ten? I, I would give eight? it ten pixels out of ten. I really love this episode. I love all of the fighting game and just general video game gags. I think they're super fun. I also feel like the lesson about like, hey, you know, maybe just don't beat each other up to solve your problems, you know, is a is a is a good lesson. And I also think the Stan and Mabel subplot is a lot of fun as well, and I like how they coalesce towards the end of the episode um and it's just it's so much fun it's got great character work got great video game homages and you know it's it's a personal favorite of mine i really i really dig this one Mm -hmm. yeah and this is why you hate video games right callie well i mean i hate the gaming industry because of capitalism fair (laughs) and that about brings us to the end of our analysis of gravity falls and why we hate capitalism so what are we going to do next week callie next week Gravitober will continue as we dive right into the second half of Gravity Falls Season 1. The Twin next peaks. 10 episodes. Oh. So look forward to that. In the meantime, this has been Hipster and the Nerd. And we do this every week. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of your major podcast platforms. Please leave us a nice five-star review. 
and subscribe and vote in the polls and answer the Q&A. Spread the word on social media. Share it with all of your friends. Hashtag hipster and the nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. I am Callie Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And you can also find me on my WordPress page, MegaNerd's Musings, home of geeky ramblings and self-indulgent fanfiction. Anyways, Brian, where can they find you? Axolotl, my time has come to burn. I invoke the ancient power that I might return. <laughs> or you can find me on Twitter at oh, Brian man, Brecker. Man, you're, you you're really me. jumping the gun on that one. <laughs> or you can find me on Letterboxd at bbrack 2 Or you can find me inside your local cave looking for cryptids or watching football mm. or you can find me accusing callie of things that are diametrically opposed to what she actually thinks yeah as jokes <laughs> that's that's literally all i have <laughs> <laughs> all, yes. all right so thank you everybody for listening seize the means of applebee's, of applebee's. buy more keychains and we seize the means of the mystery shack. Seize the means of the mystery shack. And we will see you next time.